Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, uh, joined this week by a recurring guest for this year already, uh, Brian Foley, another RBM contributor. Uh, Brian, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me back, Gino. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's great having, uh, having you guys on and being able to talk. And of course, it's always nice to talk uh, Everton and have some games to talk about now. Last week, a win. This week, Everton drew leads 2-2. Uh, they took the lead on two separate occasions, a penalty by DCL uh, on the 30th minute, and then Damari Gray getting his first uh, Everton goal in the 50th minute, uh, but Leeds equalized uh, both goals uh, by Cliche in the 41st, and then Rafinha with a, uh, you know, a, a, a world-class goal there in the 72nd minute. Um, there was two changes from the Southampton win. Awobi was on for Townsend and Mina for Holgate, and I think those were the only two changes. Your thoughts on the lineup, Brian, as you uh, saw it come out and we're getting ready for the, uh, for the game. Um, well, I come from the uh, Yeri Mina School of Centerbacks uh, for Everton, which is when you look at the record last year, basically when he was on the field, we won or got a draw almost every single time. And when he wasn't playing, that was kind of our losses. And that's not to say that he's a, uh, a game changer, but it's all relative to who we have. Um, so I was, I was happy to see him come back in. Um, myself, like most people, were perhaps a little bit surprised to see Michael Keane keep it a spot. Um, but, you know, you go with it. Um, and uh, I just – that change, and then Iwobi, obviously, starting um, after a really good bench appearance uh, against Southampton. Uh, I was okay with it. What I liked about not starting a Wobi was that it gave us uh, Townsend off the bench. And so it was nice to have a, some dynamic speed off the bench. You know, Wobi's got some creative ability, but it was nice to have just a pure speedster to bring off the bench, which I don't know the last time we legitimately brought a top level person off. So um, as far as the lineup, we had JPG back uh, and, and Keen back. So I felt like we had a, going into the match, we had a pretty good balance uh, set up and you kind of understood why you'd stick with the tactics after Southampton. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it seemed like it worked against Southampton. I like the Iwobi uh, decision as well. It seemed like we were playing a more defensive game, and I feel like maybe Iwobi gives a little bit more of that defensive uh, cover there. I feel like, at least in last year when we saw him a lot, he, that was a position that he was typically in, was, was kind of there for the defensive cover. Um, and then, of course, Mina for Holgate. I mean, again, we, I think we wish we could have changed both Keen and Holgate um, just because – um, you know, would love to have Godfrey back at this point. Looks like he'll, I would imagine he'll be back. I don't know if he'll be back tomorrow, but I would imagine he'd be back by Brighton. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it was a difficult situation. I think, um, with the center backs, Michael Keane, we'll talk to, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Just seems not to be all there right now. Um, and, and Mina, I thought, did a, did a pretty good job. He held, handled Bamford pretty well and uh, even got in a couple little scuffles there. But, um, but I thought it was a solid lineup all the way through. I'm happy that we stuck re- uh, relatively to the um, same you know, formation that we had in that, um, in that Southampton win. Um, and it looked like, you know, again, we'll talk about this too, just kind of soaking up the pressure a little bit more and then trying to hit them on the counterattack. Um, in the 30th minute, as I mentioned, Dominic Calvert-Lewin gets drawn down in the box, um, goes to VAR, it eventually called a penalty, and Calvert-Lewin slots it in the, uh, in the left-hand bottom corner. Um, thoughts on the penalty? 
Was it a penalty in your opinion? Um, or did you feel like maybe it was a little harsh? Yeah, I think I can be unbiased here and say there was absolutely a penalty. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, for me, those are what VAR is, you know, useful for. Like I would, I would have disliked it, but as an Everton fan, you would have totally understood that Jersey's separated about a foot away from his body as he's trying to go for the ball. Um, more danger created from uh, wide areas, which I think might become the theme of, uh, of this year. Um, you know, danger from wide areas and, and getting those crosses in and everything. Um, you know, even if it was on a penalty, it's creating that, uh, that tense situation right there at the edge of the six. Um, and Calvert-Lewin just buried that penalty, didn't he? I love the short run-up and the emphasis. You know, that's, it's those, it's, that's confidence, too. And obviously scoring against Southampton was big. But, you know, now our strikers got two goals in two games. And I, I think that was, uh, you know, I think that that serves big. I was, I was happy to see him step up, and I was kind of shocked that Richarlison didn't take it. Yeah, me too. Honestly, I thought I was surprised to see him standing around the ball. And um, I was, you know, I'm always happy to see Calvert-Loon out there bagging goals. It's always important for his confidence and whatnot and getting off to a good start. And I, like you said, he, he really, I mean, it couldn't have been more inch perfect. I mean, it, the goalkeeper guessed the right way and, and it still got by him. So, um, you know, really good penalty. And again, I think it was a penalty. Um, I, I don't think it was um, really that, I don't think there was really that much, you know, you can't really argue it that much. I mean, he was pulled down in the box. If he doesn't get pulled down, he's scoring there, I think. And, um, you know, I think it was the right call in the end. Um, his celebration, always good, because the Leeds fans chanting at him during the penalty, I believe, from what I've seen, uh, who the F are you? <laughs> um, and then afterwards, him showing the back of his jersey, I thought was really fun. Um, but, you know, a good good start to the game, I thought, for Everton in terms of, you know, being able to soak up some of the pressure that Leeds were bringing and some of that attack and then being able to kind of find the holes in the counterattack and, and whatnot. Um, but unfortunately, the defense kind of folds a little bit as the half is coming towards a close. Um, I, I'll ask you because I, I've seen some things. I think the general consensus is with one player – who was at fault for this goal? It seemed for me like it was Keen, but I've seen some other players thrown around. What was your thought on on the uh, the first Leeds goal? Yeah, I, that's a good point. I saw some people bring up, um, you know, what was Luca Dean's responsibility uh, in the play. And for me, I believe he steps up with that aggression and denies an easy ball reception because he knows he has cover behind him. And if Keen would have had somebody – over top of him, I think Luka Dean tucks in, lets him receive, and lets us recover. And so I think that he realized that they had numbers, and he figured, hey, I can stop up. If I win this ball, we get in the counter. And if I don't, there's nobody behind me. Um, and it just, it, as a coach, takes a, long, takes a lot of steps to get the ball into the goal. You know, it's not just the, the one or two people, but it's, he it, it, it just didn't sort his feet out. You know, it's kind of the old giraffe on roller skates things that just seems to pop up with Michael Keane sometimes. And it's so frustrating because he's also had runs of 10, 12 games in a row where you're like, that's the, there it is if we can keep this. And this season just hasn't gotten off. Now, a lot of people said, well, guys, he was paired with Holgate the first game. He needs like that leader with him. He needs somebody to feed off of. And so Mina's out there and he's not, you know, is. Is it, 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 we can all be great on some days, 
you know, but we're paying a lot of money. We need that consistency. And I think that yeah. that's, um, but yeah, I, I, I put the goal to, uh, you know, to Michael Keane and, um, and just not making that decision. You can like see the wheels turning in his head as that ball is coming at him, as opposed to just like, eh, Phil Jagielka would have hit that ball 48 rows in the top <laughs> and then screamed at Logadine. And, but it wouldn't have been a goal. And so those are those times where you wish, uh, he had a little bit more, um, authoritativeness with with his decision making but um yeah i felt like he was mostly responsible for the goal yeah that's i mean that's my opinion too i feel like you know obviously uh like you said dean was that partially responsible but once it gets to keen it's not like keen didn't have a chance to clear the ball and and just you know especially for a person like keen you would think that similarly to jaggy elka with the lack of speed in some areas you know and probably not being able to keep up with some of these players just get the ball out of there. Reset. It's like it's not the end of the world if you get the ball and you kick it out of play and the team's able to reset. It's not a goal. And I think that's what he's struggling with right now. Obviously, the emphasis is on playing it out of the back a lot more with, you know, the way things have been going, but um, and especially with the English game. But sometimes you just got to kick the ball out of play and you just got to keep going. And I, I think, um, you know, the, these first couple games, he, he just has had a couple mishaps. And uh, granted, I mean, listen, he's played, uh, you know, the second half against Southampton, I thought was pretty solid. And um, for the most part, I think other than that, he played like decently solid. It's just those mishaps are the difference between, unfortunately, in this game, a win and a, a draw and, and, you know, three points and one point. So um, I would say he's also at fault for the goal. Everton go into the half 1-1. One, one. Uh, we're, before we get into the second half, any thoughts on the rest of the first half, just kind of how the team played and kind of your thoughts going into the half and, and whether, you know, you were happy with it, felt we could have done more, um, just kind of like thoughts in the first half. I thought it was overall pretty good. I think that the things that you could, that you, sh- that you could see that we could have done better, they were implemented at halftime and discussed. And obviously with the fast start in the second half, we'll get to, um, we see that, I, for me, the biggest noticeable difference in the team is it's a game of 15 minutes now for us. So we can play poorly for 15 and then play well for 15 and then play poorly for 15. And I know this sounds terrible. That's an improvement. It felt it used to be like we had a bad first half and a good or a bad second half. And it feels like we're able to ride the waves of the games a little bit more and take advantage of them as opposed to, the game has to be perfectly squared away for us, and then we can, you know, enact ourselves. Cool, we've got 70% possession. Now we can do our thing. And this was a game where we had 30% possession. And we're sitting here talking about, eh, we had the lead twice. But also didn't feel like a game where we had 30% possession. Um, there are a number, there's a great article today, actually, uh, up uh, on the stats talking about Basically, Everton has the largest expected goals over the first two weeks, the fewest amount of passes in the buildup. And I don't mind. After all those years of side-to-side passes, of watching Gareth Barry, love you, Gareth, watching Gareth Barry, of, you know, of, of watching those guys just swing the ball, Andre Gomes turn and drop it to a center back, like, it's so nice to see that first pass go forward and to know the team is moving towards the other team's goal, which seems so such a simple concept, but something that we would sit as Everton fans and be like, where are you going? You know, ball one by the forward, drops the midfielder, midfielder feels pressure, drops it, swings it to the back, swings, you know, and just the same. 
And so I like that we can ride the game. It feels like we're in the game as opposed to the old, like, well, we're not in the first half. Let's get to halftime and let's see if, you know, something happens and we can do something in the second half. And I think that credit has to go to Rafa. Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, you know, I, you said it. And it's, I think one of the things, and we've talked about it with Townsend, we talked about it a little bit with Gray, but the speed of the team, I think, helps so much in, in allowing us to move forward and play those diagonal balls through and, um, you know, be able to kind of mix things up and, 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 and hit people on the counter because you have guys who can sprint down the field and get down the field with DCL um, and be able to get on the end of a, you know, a ball and then get the ball in the box for the cross. Um, you know, but, and, and the other thing, you know, you said we had 30% possession. And I know um, Mar, Mar, uh, Marcelo Bielsa said, he, he said in his press conference, you know, there was a team out there who didn't have a lot of possession and they were still able to dominate us at points. And that was a problem. And that's something, I think that's a compliment to Everton in the sense that, you know, we didn't have, like you said, 30% possession is not a lot of possession. There were times in that game where we were just soaking up a lot of pressure. Um, but we managed to get out of there and, and feel really good about, I think, a draw. And I think, you know, there were a couple chances that DCL got on the end of. You would have hoped he would have finished. Good saves by uh, the goalkeeper. But the team is attacking, and they're attacking, and they're showing, you know, a competency in attack and, and, a, and a plan in attack. And I think that's something that we haven't seen from Everton in a while. It's kind of been last year was, hey, when Hamas is playing, get him the ball, and hopefully he makes some magic into DCL or, you know, let's, you know, get the ball out wide to Luca Dean and just have him keep whipping and crosses. Or, there's a plan and there's options. And I think that's the beauty of what this Everton team has been, Everton team has been for the first couple of matches. And, um, you know, I think the first half was another good example of that. And now we get into the second half. And one of those players who has brought that speed, one of those new incoming players, Damari Gray gets the goal. Thoughts on the, on the Gray goal? I just think Damari Gray has been exactly what we needed <laughs> to start with that, which is he's unpredictable in the best of ways, like almost to himself, even the goal, you know, he overruns the ball a little bit, but still, Hey, I'll figure out a way to get the ball. And well, I mean, uh, the buildups there, you can tell it came with a purpose. Um, you can tell there was a discussion about driving. You know, we talked so much about the wing play and that, that ball, you know, he's wide, but that's one of the first times that we really drove at the center of the field on him in the second half. And when we get into transfer news, we can talk about the continued need for that person, right? Whether it's been, you know, Decore doing it's great, but he's also got some other tasks that we need out of him as well. But, you know, driving the ball to the middle of the field collapses him down, and all of a sudden that speed can catch up and, and, and make those, uh, you know, and um, I was, it looked like what we planned, those look, looks like what we, talked about at halftime improved and it's the same thing as the Southampton game you know we, we got better at halftime and I'm not a Rafa cheerleader but that usually goes down to the coach yeah absolutely I mean yeah it's hard and we'll talk about Rafa a little bit in a couple in a couple minutes but um but it's hard not to give him credit for some of these things because it, there is there like I said there's a plan and there was an obvious idea of what we needed to do Rafa took the players and and said, hey, like, we need these players to fill in these roles and let's go get them as best we can. And, and thankfully, we filled in seemingly a couple holes. 
that have been good for us so far. How that plays out the rest of the season, we don't know. Obviously, injuries and other transfers play a factor in that. But um, so far, it's looked looked good. And like you said, Gray's goal, um, the confidence that he shows. You know, it's it's another player like Richarlison, and the fact that he's able to go directly at players and push them back. And but he's also, in a sense, he's got a cross on him too. You know, Richarlison. His crossing ability isn't the best, but it's also nice to have Gray where you can put him out wide. You can put Richarlison in the middle, let him roam around with DCL also in the middle and have Towns on the other side. And there's a variety of options that you can go through with Decore pushing through the middle and, and you get Dean running through Coleman. There's a lot of different options in attack. And I think it's showing with the expected goals in the sense that we have – put pressure on opponents and we've created good chances. And, and I think that, you know, maybe this game they didn't come out and, and, you know, Leeds got a little lucky with their expected goals. I think they had under one expected goal for the game and managed to grab two, but you know, I think it's showing that, you know, if we can become a little bit more solid in defense, there's a solid build here and where that takes us the rest of the season, we'll have to find out. But I think more than anything, that's, you know, considering what we've been through the last few months, and how things have changed so drastically, I think that's a that's a pretty thing, pretty good thing to say. Um, now again, you know, Gray takes the lead. Rafinha bounces back with a real unbelievable goal. Somehow sneaks it between two defenders around the corner into into the corner of the net. Your thoughts? Could anything have been done about this goal? I I don't know if there was much. Maybe um, you know, with some of the defenders. What were your thoughts on this one? And could it been, could it have been prevented? Yeah, I mean, anytime you see a goal like that, which is incredibly well executed, um, you know, the first thing you always think is, who could have gotten ball pressure? You know, who could have closed down that space? Um, but that's uh, – outside of that, I don't – it was a, a ball through that kind of works its way through the box and kind of comes out the other side. That's that, you know, that urgency of defending – um, I don't want to say we didn't have it. We just didn't, you know, close him down for the one time. And it, it's kind of like the opposite of the Michael Keane thing, right? Like Michael Keane had a pretty good game, except he had one really bad mistake. So he didn't have a pretty good game. Rafinha did not have a good game. He had one really cool thing. Therefore, he had a good game. You know, and it's like that ultimate kind of opposite part of it, which is to say if we can cut out those little mistakes, you know, if we don't give them the first one, then it's a 2-0 lead in the second half, and that's a whole different mindset and, and way that we go about it. And um, It was disappointing, but I also kind of felt like it was coming a little bit as the match. You know, we, you started to see us tire. Uh, you know, playing leads is always a difficult thing. We had done a good job, and we had subs. Um, we could talk more about, you know, who he subbed and, and why he subbed, and we're saving Michael Keane for the night – or Moise Keane for the 90th minute and bringing on – Fabian Delph. So, you know, just some questions. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, I think, I mean, like you said, the one thing that in my opinion, maybe Coleman goes out a little bit further, felt like he kind of stopped there, gave Rafinha enough room to kind of whip his foot around the ball. Um, but really, I mean, it was, uh, you know, a stroke of class there. I mean, there wasn't really much else that could have been done. I don't think, um, but yeah, I think, and, and, and that's where I come to this point where we're rating Rafa. And he's, you know, we said he did a good job at halftime. Things, the plan clearly worked. My opinion, 
bring on a play. It seemed like we were tiring there around the 60th, 62nd, 65th minute before, you know, and it felt like leads just kept building and building and building. I would have hoped for a substitution a little bit quicker. Rafa opted for the Townsend substitution after the second goal. I was hoping to bring on maybe Townsend to, you know, spell a Wobi or bring on a couple other players maybe to um, just, just spell some players because it looked like we were tiring there. Um, and then again, you said the Moise Keen uh, decision, you felt maybe we could have brought him on a little earlier. What was your thoughts on Rafa's overall performance in this match? And, um, you know, was this an encouraging match again from him or felt he could have done a couple of extra things to get us the win in this one? Well, I thought it was, you know, we discussed the lineup, um, you know, and how that was. And, you know, you can obviously go back and be like, hey, maybe we you start Holgate, but I'm, I'm not a fan of Holgate, so I'll uh, just leave it at that. I was okay. Um, so as far as what he could have done, I'm with you. Some earlier subs to change the uh, the momentum of the game, I think would have been uh, would have been a, a good decision. Like seeing Townsend earlier. Um, I am so intrigued about how Fabian Delft becomes that center mid, and it's not. I try not to be like, you know, but he, he, he hasn't shown much um, besides his ignorance uh, recently. So it, to see him jump in over a Tom Davies, over a JPG, but I'll rack that up to him being in isolation. You know, maybe just didn't want to roll him back out or had plans to maybe start JPG on Tuesday. But 2-2 two, two game, nine minutes left, we brought off Fabian Delph. But I think that may also explain why we are – actively just throwing money at anybody who looks like an attacking midfielder to try and <laughs> Joaquin Carrera doesn't seem too interested anymore. Um, but, but you, you, you kind of see, you see the emphasis, you see him putting the emphasis on our strengths and then at the same time trying to cover up those weaknesses, but they still glare through. Like imagine a healthy JPG as opposed to a Delph, like you said, Townsend yeah. coming earlier. Keen coming in earlier, give him a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there I, could I, be the Tuesday lineup. The, the lineup tomorrow could explain some of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in that situation, the Delph, the call for Delph there is a little confusing because you're like, you bring on a player like JPG. He's dynamic in all aspects of the game. He'll push you forward. He'll play good defense. He'll he'll kind of fill that role really nicely. Um, but again, maybe it was something that he wanted to rest him. He has been injured or out or with COVID, whatever it may be. Um, and he couldn't need to rest him for Huddersfield or, or they're trying to get him some minutes in the Huddersfield game to get him ready for Brighton or whatnot. So um, there are probably some other factors in Huddersfield tomorrow probably plays into that a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think other than maybe waiting a little too long for substitutions, I think he did a really good job again. And I think that, um, again, there's a clear plan. There's a clear idea as to what he wants to do. And you said it, you know, he's strengthening some of the strengths and trying to cover up those weaknesses at the same time. And I think largely he's done that for the most part, which is, you know, saying a lot. So um, a really good job by him. And now as we wrap up this section here, just your feelings on Everton as we move forward here after the first couple games, two games in, do you feel a little bit more confident than you did going into the season? Do you feel like this team is moving in the right direction? What's your feelings right now? I feel much better about it than I did before it kicked off because I didn't know how the players were going to respond to Rafa. You know, does some of that, 
uneasiness and animosity that was ringing out from a lot of blues supporters, which, you know, you totally get it's sports. People have their fandoms, uh, but you, you know, you worry that it becomes a something for players might carry around in their back pocket. Well, you know what? The fans don't even like this guy, but to his credit, it seems like he's just the, the players are listening and responding to him. You know, I don't think he's a, uh, he's a guy you're going to see people, you know, run through a brick wall for or walk over fire or go join a club because of him. But I think it, it appears at least to be a simplicity and a directness in what he applies to the team. And it seems like they pick it up and these are like, <laughs> wow, our coach knows how to like coach, but we haven't had coaches who have known, how to coach. <laughs> you know, watching Ronald McComb and stand on the sidelines and be like, why are we winning and just not making decisions and seemingly watching a different game at times, right? Same with Marco Silva and even with the front office, like how many number 10, there's a disconnect between the on the field and the decisions were made. And right now it feels like the first time in honestly four or five years where the decision-making and the on the field decision-making, the off the field are, are aligned and starting to pay obvious dividends in the big scheme of things. Yeah. And we've paid like 2.7 million pounds total. You know, that's the crazy part. It's like, we did, you know, sometimes when you have a coach and you have a, ma- a, a manager and you have a, a board that's all on the same page and there's a plan coming in, sometimes you don't need to spend that. And, and again, we don't know what Townsend's going to look like for the rest of the season. What's Amari Gray is going to look like for the rest of the season, how important um, Begovich is going to be the rest of the season. But so far, at least from a Townsend and Gray perspective, they've been really important into what we've into the plan that I guess Roth is trying to implement. And um, I, I think that, like you said, two games in, you're feeling better. We're we're showing a you know without Hamas on the field because I think a lot of people were worried about playing these teams that you know maybe not Leeds who is a little more expansive, but a Southampton who could have a low block and you know breaking them down. I think a lot of people were worried about the attack. And it looks like the attack is coming around. We're going to get some players back here within the next week from the COVID situation and being in isolation. So that should help as well. And it'll be interesting to see how things um, charge on. But, but a good first couple games. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and we'll preview uh, the Huddersfield EFL Cup uh, matchup, which will take place tomorrow on Tuesday, August 24th. All right, we're back and we're talking um, – the Huddersfield match, um, again, Tuesday, August 24th. It's going to be at Huddersfield, I believe, uh, in the second round of the Carabao Cup, the EFL Cup, whatever you want to call it. Um, Huddersfield so far this season has played four matches. They have seven points from those four matches. Uh, they advanced in the EFL Cup over Sheffield Wednesday on penalty kicks. Uh, then from there, they tied Dar- Darby County. They lost to Fulham 5-1, giving up two goals after Fulham had a red card. Um, they, then they beat Preston 1-0, and then they beat Sheffield United, who, as we all know, just recently got uh, relegated to the championship uh, uh, last, or this year. They beat them 2-1 on a late goal. Uh, so sitting on seven points. Last year, they finished really near the bottom of the table. I think they finished 20th on 49 points. Um, your thoughts on how – let's start with Everton here. Your thoughts on how Everton line up and, and whether you think Rafa is going to take this as a competition that's, you know, whether we're going to see a, a strong team or, or, or a team that's, you know, maybe a mix of some players that are young and, uh, you know, some players that just need to get some minutes. 
Can I just check? Was that last advertisement you played for a right back by chance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, yeah. just wanted to throw that out there. If you're trying to shop a right back, yeah. check out Marcel Brands at Everton. <laughs> um, so how do we line up? Uh, I think we have a, um, you know, I think it's going to be a really telling lineup, you know, at, at where people stand. Um, I would expect a DeCorain and Allen to get a break. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Davies, Delph, or a JPG in there. Um, you know, out wide, are we going to see some of the young guys that haven't gone out um, on loan yet? Um, you know, some of our, uh, you know, we finally sent, uh, you know, broadheads out uh, for a bit, but does, um, you know, do, do some of our other players get an opportunity uh, to prove themselves? Does Branthwaite get a get a shot at center back? He was on the bench. Um, I'm a big Branthwaite guy. I think you know he's super young, but he's left footed. He's solid on the ball. Um, he's basically everything I want Michael Keane to be. Um, but you know, does he does he go that low? I would assume Begovic gets a start um, at left back, and Cuckoo could come in. And you know, does he go for wholesale changers or does he? try to integrate. I think it's a, a tough question. We also have the international break coming up too. So, you know, do a lot of these guys, we just kind of tell them, Hey, get this game in, get next weekend's match, get the weekend coming up. Then you've got one more match and then we've got a break. So it, it'll tell us a lot though, because if you see like a Delph and a JPG together and no Tom Davies, that's really telling about where Tom Davies falls. Does Mason Holgate line up at right back? Are we going to put John Joe Kenny in the shop window? Um, all trades accepted. Um, <laughs> but I, I think if anything, it'll be a really good indication of where individual players stand at their position. And then that usually gives us some insight into um, also what the next like eight days may look like in the, in the market. Do I want to see Moise Keen get a start, but I also want to see him play with the better players. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine uh, they, they they did say DCL has been still dealing with that toe injury, so I would imagine there's no way he plays in this one. Give him those extra days. So I would imagine we see Moise Keen up there. Um, I can't imagine they play Richarlison. I can't imagine we see Richarlison unless we desperately need a goal for some reason. I mean, that I mean, got to give him a rest, especially if he's going to international break um, and going to play for Brazil for a few games. And we're going to need to see because – uh, from what I understand, they got three matches and that third match due to COVID regulations and whatnot. He might not be able to play for the, for Everton when he comes back from international break, if he stays for that third game. So um, that'll be very interesting to see, but I, I can't imagine he plays in this one. Um, like you said, I, I think that there will be some changes. I don't know. I In my head, I feel like we're going to get Maybe like a Godfrey Mina pairing. Mina didn't play the first game. Maybe we try and go with our strongest center back pairing and maybe just put Dean out left for a half and then switch Nkunku at the half. Um, but I would imagine there's going to be probably five or six changes from what we saw to our typical lineup. Maybe we do see Townsend. Maybe because he was resting, we see him um, on one side and Anthony Gordon on the other. You know, it, it'll be an interesting group of players, I'm sure. Uh, probably a bunch of changes, but maybe a few of the first team players. Um, obviously we don't know too much of Huddersfield. Huddersfield was in the premier league, I believe a couple, couple years back, three years back or something like that. Um, but since have been in the championship, um, don't know much about them this year, but I mean, even away, I mean, obviously there's fans away at a championship ground. The EFL cup always brings these challenging tasks, but 
should be a what do you expect from Everton in this one? How, how do you, you know, how do you expect them to play and what do you expect to, you know, really come out of this game? Yeah. Good point on uh, Anthony Gordon, who he wasn't in the lineup, uh, didn't make the 18 last match. And I feel like he's yeah. been a, he's been a really, I feel like he's been a really good spark. So it's, you know, is he headed off somewhere or is he just kind of in that mix of, you know, Townsend, Awobi and, uh, Damari Gray and Richarlison, he just maybe thinks that those four can, can kind of cover out wide. Um, but I, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to, to see. Uh, as far as from Huddersfield, uh, you're not going to recognize any of the players unless you're an American fan and you know Dwayne Holmes. Yep, uh, yep. <laughs> so, who's a dynamic player. I'm excited to see him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be your classic case of we'll have a little bit more of the ball than we're used to. Um, but we're going to have some guys who haven't been playing as many minutes as other people have. So uh, presumably, you know, unless Rafa just goes full, Hey, we need the momentum and we'll make a few changes here or there. Like you said, DCL has got to take a break. Charleston's got to take a break. You assume, um, I mean, uh, Andrews Townsend isn't getting called up. So let's get a, get an extra, um, you know, few minutes out of him kind of deal. So, um, but uh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I expect Huddersfield to come out with nothing to lose. Put it that way. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would expect the same thing. You know, probably a big crowd on hand, um, and um, you know, I, I think it's uh, it'll be an interesting match. I mean, it, it'll really tell a lot about where I think not only Rafa's priorities are with the players, but where he his priorities and where the board's priorities are with these competitions. Is he going to go out there and really, um, you know, kind of give give his all out there um, and, and, and try and win this match and try and be serious about this match? Or is this, a, you know, really just, okay, if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. Most important thing is getting into Europe this year, which um, I don't know which one I'd rather it be. Um, I'm not sure if I would rather, you know, Rafa go give it all for this one or whether I'd rather, you know, focus on getting into Europe and not really worry about the club competitions um, but I think that'll, this will tell you a lot about those priorities. But again, like you said, Brian, uh, it's going to be a lot of holding the ball and seeing if we can break down Huddersfield, which granted, I know Southampton is a little bit worse, but I, I still don't think they really had too much of a low block in that game. So this will be our first real test of seeing how we can take that on. Um, we'll see what players we get back from isolation, who that may be, um, and who plays, um, but I think it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where the board and where Rafa's priorities lie with these competitions. And I think that this one, if they put a strong team out there, you know, you know that they're going out there and they're going to you know, try and win the EFL Cup or something like that, especially with all the other competitions, whether it be the Conference League or this, that, and the other thing that's going on. Um, but, it seems um, to be the most direct route, doesn't yes, it? Yes. Yeah. The EFL Cup. And yeah. it's why I think they might put more emphasis on it because yeah. win two games and all of a sudden you're in a quarterfinal. You know, yeah. and then your your seasons. Hey, this could mean something. We can, yeah. you know, it becomes and and I would imagine. But like you said, there's a lot of a lot of stuff we don't know. The, this is this last week before the before the end of the season is. You know, does Moise Keane not start because they don't want him to pull up lame or look lame? Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I'm just I'm I'm really fascinated, but I'm also excited because we have options, as opposed to previous seasons where it's been like, well, we're either going to start that person at center back, 
or we're going to play that person that we've never heard of at center back, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And, and uh, so it's nice to have some, some options. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, like I said, if, if Anthony Gordon doesn't show up, then you got to assume that he's off somewhere. Are you disappointed if we lose this? Would you be disappointed if we lost this? Or would you – is it kind of – I know it's, it's like the most direct route, but at the same time, like, we rest players. And, I mean, it, it seems early to worry about that. You know, you, you figure you go out and you go win this game, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> – in pure Everton fashion, I suppose – path of least resistance something can we just wait like you know qualification etc i'm i'm all for it but i think at the end of the day that if anybody you know i will you know i'll i'll win any cup i'll win the mario kart cup if it means that you know we get to have a celebration i mean the the florida cup was amazing don't get me wrong (laughs) not that taste of it yeah one Um, trophy already in the bag this season i know right (laughs) the fans really don't seem to appreciate as much as i thought they um (laughs) but uh where where the season goes from here i think the positive energy from a win and more opportunities ahead will mean more because if we lose what's the first article you're going to read is Everton season already starting to wrap up? You know, yeah. now it's all on the FA Cup. And then, we, you know, and then all of a sudden we're facing Stoke on a Wednesday night in the FA Cup and we don't feel so hot about ourselves. And so it, uh, this is where we just don't know about Rafa either. You know, you just don't know how, uh, how these guys approach it. Like you mentioned, what's the, what's the balance? You know, what are the, the birds chirping in his ear saying, you know, hey, we really need a, we need a higher league finish. Because yeah. we're really seeing – you know, we mentioned earlier with transfers, we don't have anything that draws players to us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a problem. And it's, you know, when it's been the problem for five, six years now where we've needed a player and it seems the last week of the transfer window, we're still looking for that player to fill that role. And, um, you know, again, this year, the top priority has seemed to be right back from the very beginning. Obviously there were rumors about Dumfries before the Euros even started way back in June. And, here we are today on August 23rd, eight days before the window closes and still no right back. So hopefully they can get that sorted out. Um, but again, like you said, there's no draw. And I feel like for me, trophies are great. Trophies are awesome. But I think an ultimate sign of improvement and an ultimate sign of what Rafa did this year would be able to get in Europe because of how many teams are also competing for that same spot. I think you know, we did some data analysis and saw some some graphs and some charts, and I'm sure Calvin will release an article on it within the uh, within the the near future. But it's shown how much of a gap we have between us and the, the top four or the, the the top seven, and where those average points are. And things have kind of fallen off a little bit. And I think we need to start getting back there. So, my personal opinion, let's try and get into Europe. Um, but again, at this current point in the season. I'm not sure that this helps us whether we go all out or not. You know, I feel like a win was, is, is much, uh, a, you know, a much better situation. Um, predictions for this game. Uh, I'm going to go uh, 2-0. Clean. I say we get an early one, a little bit of pressure. We find one in the, in the 60th or so, and uh, we get a little bit. The clean sheet would mean a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to actually – I'll go 3-0. I think that – in attack, we've been really good. And I think that, you know, there's a plan and I think that everybody's kind of bought into it. And I think that against a team like this, we might be able to show that and start, you know, living up to, uh, 
the expected goals and maybe get a few, get, get three on the board and, um, you know, uh, kind of just be able to cruise through this one, which would be very, very nice. Um, For you Everton fans out there, that's called confidence. You may not yeah. be familiar with that. <laughs> Where we expect our team to do well. This yes, is a new which thing we're trying out. <laughs> inevitably means that it will end 3 nothing to Huddersfield. Right. Your qualifier was there. Fair enough. Yes, fair, yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, that's it for Huddersfield. Um, we're going to take another quick break. And then after that, we'll get into Brighton and wrap this, uh, wrap this show up. All right, we are back, and um, we're talking about Brighton on Saturday, August 28th. That game will take place at 10 a.m. Eastern time over here in America. It'll take place 3 p.m. over in England. Uh, This is the third of three straight away matches for Everton. They'll be at the Amex, or Farmer Stadium. Oh, maybe Amex is, I don't really know. Um, but we're going to Brighton. That's the most important thing. Um, so, uh, it'll be, uh, the third, third road game in a row. Um, Everton beat Brighton last year in their first matchup for two. They tied in the second matchup in April, zero, zero. Brighton have gotten off to a pretty solid start so far. Um, beating Burnley two, one after falling behind one, nothing in that game. And then, uh, beating Watford two, nothing, um, Watford, a team who, pretty well handled Villa pretty well in week one um, and obviously just promoted. Um, and then they'll take on Cardiff uh, tomorrow as well in the second round of the EFL cup. This match, obviously right before the international break, as you mentioned, Brian, are we expecting a full strength squad for this match? How do we expect to line up? You have to assume that when uh, everybody is healthy, that uh, that we'll get that full strength lineup. Um, you know, Coleman. Uh, if I have my qualms and they're healthy, me and Godfrey with Luke Dean, Decore and Allen. Really, the great the lineup that we saw in the first uh, first match of the the season. Um, outside of those those changes at center back. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of Brighton's a good opponent. You know, they're they have a clear playing style and. I think that we've got – we have to try to impose the game on them. We saw at the Leeds, we don't have those legs to play uh, to play completely open like uh, like we did against Leeds for, for times. Um, but if we're healthier, you know, of course, we're talking about like five days away, but it's crazy to think like if we're a lot healthier, who's available? Who's feeling good, you know? Um, and then that's, that's where that midweek match too, you know, does somebody just have an absolute just – you know, does Moise Keane start and score two goals? And now it becomes, well, maybe we should start him and Calvert-Lewin up top and, you know, slide Richarlison out wide. Or give him, you know. So we might get an option or two out of it. But um, I think right now it's pretty straightforward um, as far as how we line up. Um, Allen and Decor have been a really nice balance together in the midfield, so I can't imagine they change. But Yeah. Yeah, I would, have said, I would assume that, um, you know, you get DCL back up top. I would, I would assume probably about as full strength as you can go, provided, again, health. Um, especially if we're getting some of these players back um, and some players can play and just give, you know, just a few players rest. I know, you know we're going to have international break here and people are going to be, you know, all over the place and traveling and whatnot. And, you know, it is still early in the season. We want to stay healthy for as long as we can and give rest where rest is deserved because – Euros and Copa America and Olympics and all this stuff has played into it where not many players have gotten much rest. 
Um, so um, we'll, I think, though, we'll go with the full-strength lineup with the international break coming up. Um, I think, uh, you know, probably, again, Richarlison, DCL, Damari Gray. I think you probably see Townsend again on the right unless he plays a full 90 tomorrow. Um, if I would imagine an attacking lineup, a lineup that's going to be able to put pressure on Brighton. Um, for Brighton, what do you expect from them and, and, and what problems do they pose for this Everton team? Yeah. I mean, they looked really good against Watford in the three back system, uh, you know, with Lamptey still out uh, injured, they've kind of switched to that and to give themselves some attack Pascal Grosch and uh, Sully March playing wide, which you would think would match up well for us. They're, they're quality players, but they're not known for necessarily being those, you know, uh, Gross and March are basically playing the uh, the uh, Alonzo and uh, Reese James role for Chelsea, and that's not exactly their strength. However, uh, they've got some decent balance. Basuma and Lalana together in midfield did a pretty good job, um, especially Basuma, somebody who I think we would all throw some money at to take on our own team if uh, if we could. Um, but they've you know, and and Trossard and um, Old Neil Malpe, they. They know how to score. You know, they're, they're those guys that you hate. They're on the other team, but you'd love to have them on your team because they, they, they tend to find the back of the net. I think it'll be interesting, you know, against Watford, um, they didn't have – they had possession. They had the edge on possession, but not like a ton. So I would expect a 50-50 kind of possession game um, with the opportunity to maybe be able to hold the ball a little bit longer, especially if they play with three in the back and we can kind of pin those back and get those win- wings pinned back, which in previous years I'd be concerned because, you know, instead of a, all right, well, we're going to have Yamez on the right and he's going to be cutting in. Who's going to be tracking that wing back? Now that wing back has to be tracking our, our wide player um, or else they're passing off a Damari Gray to Shane Duffy. And I just have to assume that that's not what they would want uh, in their lineup. So. I think it'll be a game of, as we mentioned before, 15 minutes. Yeah. If we can come out strong and then hold that next 15, we can have a good half. But we could also come out strong, see them gain some momentum and, and have to fight back. And So uh, I, I, expect a, I expect a really tough game, to be honest with you, especially at their place. And they're feeling good about themselves. They held on to their, their coach. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's um, – they always seem to be – a little bit of trouble. I, I know last year we beat them four two, and that was a pretty, I think, solid game where we kind of cruised to that one. But other than that, it always seems to be some trouble with Brighton. And you know, Lewis Dunk in the back there always poses a threat off the set pieces. Um, so we'll see how um, Everton. I think Everton's center backs are going to have a lot to deal with again, and that's going to be another test for you know possibly Michael Keane with Malpe and Trossard, you know, working off of each other, and then you know, wearing about Dunk on set pieces and whatnot. I think it's it's going to be difficult there. And like you said, I, I think for us, I think it's going to be nice having those wing players to come down the sidelines and, and really push them back. And, and again, it, it, even in a three back system, if they're going to go three back system, we have players like Tamari Gray who can be able to get him behind there and force the, the center backs to make some decisions, open up some spaces for DCL and Richarlison in the middle. Um, and then hopefully with Ducore coming through there, it'll give us some options um, you know, and, and Decorey playing again, more offensive. And, you know, the one thing we didn't mention about Decorey, he's been shooting, <laughs> he's been shooting the ball a lot. So he's, he's got the confidence and, and hopefully we can, you know, get another one of those, uh, world-class goals out of him. Um, but I think it's uh, to, that, to that point, that's a really good example again of 
DeCorey said before the year started, mm-hmm. Rafa told me I need to press forward and be aggressive at goal. Yeah. He has done that, and it has been successful. Yeah. So it's and not it's- like DeCorey's getting caught out of position uh-huh. and we're getting beat on the break. He's getting up in position and creating change. And I think that's – they're so simple, but it's, it's things that, you know, we need our yeah. midfielders to attack. We've always yeah. said that. Yeah, and it's like, and it's the first time really. I mean, we we expected when Ducori came in for him to be a box to box kind of guy, and I feel like this is the first time he's really been able to do that, Um, and it's really showing. So, really, um, you know, really impressed with him, and hopefully, he'll be able to make a difference in this one. And again, I think the biggest thing is probably drawing those center backs out of position and trying to open some holes for DCL to get in there and get ahead on the ball, or Richarlison to get a shot off. you know, trying to, you know, kind of cause some chaos in the back there for Brighton. Um, What is your prediction for this match? I'd love to have your optimism from earlier, um, but I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with 1-1. I think Brighton does a pretty good job of of tightening things up on us. And I think you'll see, I don't want to say we're going to be tired, but I think you'll see kind of the, the third game in a week third road match in a week for us. Um, I think you'll just, you know, see it on a couple of legs, which is why I think like a Luca Dean gets a break. I think any cuckoo does, you know, get a, get a run because I think that he'll want to end the week with some fresh legs back there. But uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with a one, one. Okay. Yeah. I, I, it's hard to be optimistic twice in a row. Right. Um, (laughs) Especially with, especially with this Brighton team. It just, it's, it's like the eternal, you know, oh man, like I'm not really sure whether this team is going to um, show up or not, but especially being tired and whatnot. And thankfully, you know, it looks like Brighton have to go to Cardiff um, in the, uh, tomorrow. So, you know, they'll have some traveling to do as well uh, and some decisions to make in terms of who they play. Um, do I stay optimistic or do I not stay optimistic? That's the question. Um I'm going to stay optimistic. I'm going to, you know, I would, you know, good in attack. I, I say we go, we win 2-1 um, over Brighton. I say, you know, you're probably going to get, get a goal off a set piece maybe. And then, uh, you know, I don't know, some magic somewhere else. I don't know. But um hoping, praying, that would be nice. It would be nice. Who knows? I mean, maybe, I mean, obviously he's still our player till August 31st. So maybe Hamas remembers who we play this week. That would be pretty fun, um, and and is available maybe. I don't. I I, I honestly don't know. Do you expect? Well, to I'll see jump him? on. I'm going to jump on Twitch real quick and ask. Yeah, him. yeah. <laughs> jump on Warzone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you expect him to feature even on the bench in any of these games? That's I think no, really I don't, the question we didn't ask. I don't think we're going to see James Rodriguez in Everton jersey ever again. If I just had to to lobby a guess and the worst thing that could happen for his argument is we're doing well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's nice not to be beholden to the player. And for years we have been beholden to Lukaku. We have been beholden to Yamez, you know, these individual, you know, even our Charleston to a degree, you could say we were so beholden to him. We let him play in the Olympics. Yeah. You know, and, and that we need, you know, so it's nice to have that balance of power. Say like, okay, well, you know what? Your negative attitude. We'd rather have a Townsend and a Damari Gray come in, and and yeah. uh, we can adjust. So I don't, I don't think we see Yamez ever again. Um, and uh, you know, is this? What are we going to do with Moise Keane? 
Yeah, and and just to get a little bit of transfers because we haven't really talked much transfer today, and and um, you know, I think just to hit on a couple of things, I think the Moise Keen thing is is the most confusing. I mean, Hamas, I think is he wants out. I don't. I think at this point, not many of the fans want him back with all the drama that he's caused off the pitch. Um, so I would imagine that that one's as long as he can get out for. I mean, we got him for free, so whatever price he we can get him off the books for, I'll take it. Um, but I think the Moise Keen one is the interesting one, right? I think if we do sell them, maybe that opens up some things. Maybe we have things in the works. It's just we can't complete any of these deals because we don't have the money. But do you want to see Moise Keen go? I know we talked about this a little bit on the pod last week with, um, with Calvin. Do you want to see him in an Everton jersey? I, I, I think we talked about it. We do want to see him in an Everton jersey. We would like to see him and see what he can do and provide. And um, but it's such a confusing situation because it's like every time an Italian team talks about losing their striker, Moise Keane's linked with them. He's been linked with the, half the teams in Italy at this point. Um, but nothing concrete, no deals have been made. And I don't know. Do you think anything gets done with him before the end of the, the, the transfer window? Uh, I would say I'm 50-50. I think if you would asked me a week ago, I would have said I'm 75% sure. But, you know, we're all – we all can only hear what we hear in the rumor mill, but it just seems to be dead mm-hmm. quiet. Yeah. And, you know, PSG was the obvious answer, but they found some other good places to spend their money in the attack. <laughs> so I don't think they're going to go there. Um, we can't afford to loan him back out. He's too good. You yeah. know, we look, it puts us in a weak position. Um, as far as I think he suits our current style of play much better than he suited our former style of play. He is much better with the pair play him going towards the goal. You know, if you where he had success last year, playing out wide for PSG coming inside as balls were played in behind and he's attacking at the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think too, I, I would like to see if he does have a good game tomorrow, which we're assuming he does play. I would like to see him in a two up top with pushing with Charleston back out wide. Maybe you have gray off the bench. That's okay. That doesn't, he doesn't need to start every game um, and have towns maybe on the other side and just see what they can provide. I think that also would cause a lot of problems for the Brighton defense. It would, I, I think there's a lot of options there. A lot of players that can come in and, and whip the ball in off their, you know, uh, you know, their inside, you know, the foot to whip the ball in on the cross or, or they can whip it in, on the inside, you know, take a shot. Um, there's a lot of different options there. So that could give some problems too. So I would like to see how that plays out, but um, it'll be interesting. It just seems like every single time a new manager, like the, 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 the we've had obviously Carlo Ancelotti and now we've had Rafa and it just seems like he just doesn't fit into any of their plans for some reason. It's like, it's like, why is this guy not playing? It's like, there's gotta be a role for him here. Um, and granted DCL has had an unbelievable couple years. So I think that's played into it a little bit, but we'll see. I think he get like we said, I think he gets the start tomorrow and against Huddersfield. And if he plays well enough, maybe he does get that start against Brighton and, and maybe he can show some stuff. So we'll see. No, that's a good point. And maybe we unbalance a little bit, tuck Richarlison in, let Luca Dean really work the sidelines. Keep yeah. Coleman's play has played as a third center back. So basically just, Keep him back. Let that yeah, extra, you know, just tilt a little bit. I don't think that's a terrible idea. Speaking of right backs, I don't think I've mentioned this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously. You're a general manager of a European soccer team with an extra right back. Hi there, Rangers. Um, yeah. But uh, no, we, and it's not against 
Seamus Coleman. He's been the best version of Seamus Coleman the last few weeks. But he doesn't – when you see the crosses coming in from one side and then you see the lack of crosses or the tries from crosses coming in yeah. from the right, it makes you realize, like – and I like the idea of Nathan Patterson. You know, we lose Dumfries because – we finished 10th in our league and the champions of Italy were like, Hey, you want to come play for us and play champions league? Yeah. We're never going to win that argument. Um, So I like the idea of like a 19 year old right back that just has a lot still to prove Mm -hmm. uh, whether or not we can prime away from Rangers. I just like to see us do something, take a chance on somebody. Um, You know, even if they're a young person, just give them a run. You know, we paid 60,000 for some, you know, young guy from Ireland, and it turned yeah. out okay. Let's let's have some faith and hopefully some scouting. Um, I just don't think we're going to get the established an established right back. Yeah, and I think that's fine. I, I don't think that's the end of the world. I mean, again, we've shown so far that bargain buying can be a you know something that that has that can work for us. It doesn't. You know, you don't have to go out and spend thirty million pounds and get somebody that's twenty six years old and you know a. a you know, a certified right back and plays every game and has been talented. You can, you can, there's, there's talent out there. And I think like we've talked about, I think we talked about with Calvin, like we talk about in the chat all the time, let's go see a player who has something to prove. So a player that, that is, is going and to come to Everton and want to be his best self, not just be there for the paycheck. Um, so, you know, Patterson would be interesting. I know looks like the 5 million, I guess, pound or, um, bid was rejected um so we'll see we'll see how that plays out i mean you, you need to write back and as much as we i said this with calvin last week as much as we love seamus coleman he seems to peter out by the middle of the season because last year he started off really well too yeah. um cool. it's just he's getting up there and that's not a bad thing it happens yeah. and <laughs> the pace you know, that he plays at you know he's not a he's yeah. not a lazy player so every game yeah. is yeah yeah and and obviously you know it creates it you know it, it it's obviously it's it sucks that you know he's been such a good player and such a loyal player for us, but John Joe Kenny isn't going to cut it. So let's get somebody in there that can cut it or may cut it or somebody that we don't know anything about or not know anything about, but somebody that hasn't gotten the chance yet to prove themselves at that position. And I think Patterson might be a good option there, and just hope that within the next eight days, which will probably save the next podcast until after the transfer window, so we can break it all down talk about the Brighton game because we'll have the international break. Maybe we'll even do a transfer special and then do a separate pod the next week. Um, but we'll talk about all that. And hopefully by then we have a new right back. If we sell Moise Keen, hopefully we have a new backup striker because we can't go another season with Dom playing 45 games or whatever it's going to be again. Um, you know, hopefully there are some little patches made to this team and, um, Rafa can, you know, have some depth and we can go at it. So we'll see. We'll see. Brian, thank you as always for joining me. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me as always, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to you guys out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for your continued support. We appreciate you guys following us and just make sure you just download that episode when you get it, do whatever you got to do to get the episode each week. And we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>